Hello? 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 Yes, this is MCO. Hello? This is MCO. Hello? Hello? This is another MCO and transmission. This is the Srimala Devhi Simhanada Sutra, the Lion's Roar of Queen Srimala, translated from the Chinese version of Gunabhadra by Diana Paul. Chapter 1 The Merits of the Tathagata's True Dharma. Thus have I heard. One time the Buddha was residing in the Jetta Garden of Anathapindika's park in the city of Srivasti. At that time, King Prasanajit and Queen Malika, who had only recently attained faith in the Dharma, said these words to each other Srimala, our daughter, is astute and extremely intelligent. If she has the opportunity to see the Buddha, she will certainly understand the Dharma, with no doubt. Sometime we should send a message to her to awaken her mind. The queen said, Now is the right time. The king and the queen then wrote a letter to Srimala, praising the Tathagata's immeasurable merits and dispatched a messenger named Chandira to deliver the letter to the kingdom of Ayodhya. Entering the queen's palace, the messenger respectfully conferred the letter to Srimala, who rejoiced upon receiving it, raising the letter to her head as a sign of reverence. She read and understood it, arousing a faithful mind of rare quality. Then she said to the messenger Chandira in verse, I hear the name Buddha, the one who is rarely in the world. If my words are true, then I will honor him. Since I humbly submit that the Lord Buddha came for the sake of the world, he should be compassionate upon me, allowing me to see him. At that very moment of reflection, the Buddha appeared in the sky, radiating pure light in all directions and revealing his incomparable body. Srimala and all her attendants prostrated themselves reverentially at his feet, and with pure minds praised the true merits of the Buddha. The Tathagata's subtle body of form is unequaled in the world, being incomparable and inconceivable. Therefore, we now honor you. The Tathagata's form is inexhaustible, and likewise is his wisdom. All things eternally abide within him. Therefore, we take refuge. Having already exercised the mind's defilements and the four kinds of faults of the body and speech, you have already arrived at the undaunted stage. Therefore, we worship you, Dharma King. By knowing all objects to be known, and by the self-mastery of your body of wisdom, you encompass all things. Therefore, we now honor you. We honor you, the one who transcends all measure. We honor you, the one who is incomparable. We honor you, the one who has the limitless dharma. We honor you, the one beyond conceptualization. Please, be compassionate and protect me, causing the seeds of dharma to grow within me. 
in this life and in future lives. Please, O Buddha, always accept me. The Buddha replied, I have been with you for a long time, guiding you in former lives. I now again accept you, and do likewise in the future. Srimala said, I have produced merits at present and in former lives. Because of these virtuous deeds, I only wish to be embraced. Then Srimala and all of her attendants prostrated themselves before the Buddha's feet. The Buddha then made this prediction among them. You praise the true merits of the Tathagata because of your virtuous deeds. After immeasurable periods of time, you will become sovereign among the gods. In all lives you will continually see me and praise me in my presence, in the same manner as you are doing right now. You will also make offerings to the immeasurable numbers of Buddhas for more than 20,000 immeasurable kalpas. Then you, Srimala, will become the Buddha named Samanta Prabha, Universal Light, Tathagata, Arhat, Perfectly Enlightened One. Your Buddha land will have no evil destinies and no suffering due to old age, illness, deterioration, or torment. There will be no evil whatsoever, not even the word evil. Those who are in your land will have all five desires fulfilled, longevity, physical power, and physical beauty, and will be happier than even the gods who control the enjoyments created by others. They all will be exclusively Mahayana devotees, having habitually practiced virtuous deeds and assembling in your land. When Queen Srimala had received this prediction of enlightenment, the innumerable gods, humans, and other beings vowed to be reborn in her land. The Buddha predicted to everyone that they all would be reborn there. Chapter 2 The Ten Vows At that time, Srimala, having received the Buddha's prediction of enlightenment, respectfully arose to take the ten major ordination vows. She said, World Honored One, from now until I have arrived at awakening, one, I will not transgress the discipline that I have received, two, I will have no disrespect toward the venerable elders. Three, I will not hate living beings. Four, I will not be jealous of others with regard to either their physical appearance or their possessions. Five, I will not be stingy, although I may have little sustenance. O oh, world-honored one, from now until I have arrived at awakening. Six, I will not accumulate property for my own benefit. Whatever I receive will be used to assist living beings who are poor and suffering. 7. I will practice the four means of unification, giving, kind speech, volunteerism, and cooperation, toward leading all beings to virtuous deeds, for all living beings, and not for myself. I embrace all living beings without desire, without satiation, 
and without prejudice. 8. When I see living beings who are lonely, imprisoned, ill, and afflicted by various misfortunes and hardships, I will never forsake them, even for a moment, for I must bring them peace. Through my good deeds I will bring them benefits and liberate them from their pain. Only then will I leave them. 9. When I see those who hunt or domesticate animals, slaughter or commit other such offenses against the precepts, I will never forsake them. When I obtain this power to teach all beings, I will restrain those who should be restrained and assist those who should be assisted wherever I see such living beings. Why? Because by restraining and assisting them, one causes the eternal continuation of the Dharma. If the Dharma continues eternally, gods and humans shall flourish, and the evil destinies shall diminish in number. Then the Dharma wheel that is turned by the Tathagata will again be turned. Because I see these benefits I will save, I never quit liberating living beings. O world honored one, from now until I have arrived at awakening, 10. I accept the true Dharma, never forgetting it. Why? Because those who forget the Dharma forget the great vehicle, the Mahayana. Those who forget the Mahayana forget the Paramitas. Those who forget the Paramitas do not aspire toward the Mahayana. If the Bodhisattvas are not committed to the Mahayana, they cannot have the aspiration to embrace the true Dharma. Acting according to their pleasures, they will not be able to transcend the level of a common person. Because I have seen in this way the immeasurably great errors of humans and have seen the immeasurable merits of the Bodhisattvas, those great beings who will accept the true Dharma, I will accept these great ten ordination vows. O Lord of the Dharma, manifested before me, you are my witness. Even though the Lord Buddha presently witnessed my testimony, living beings' virtuous deeds are superficial. Some of them are skeptical and extremely difficult to save through these ten ordination vows. They engage in immoral activities for long periods of time and are very unhappy. In order to bring peace to them, I now declare in your presence that my vows are sincere. If I receive these ten major ordination vows and practice them as I have stated them to you, by the power of these true words, heavenly flowers will rain down and divine music will ring out upon this assembly. Just as Sri Mala said these words, a shower of heavenly flowers poured from the sky and divine music rang out, singing, It is so, it is so, what you have said is true, not false. Having seen these wondrous flowers and having heard this music, the entire assembly no longer was skeptical, rejoicing immeasurably and exclaiming, We wish to stay with Queen Srimala, and together we would like to join in practice with her.
The Buddha predicted to all that their wish to stay with Queen Srimala would be fulfilled. Chapter 3 The Three Great Vows At that time, Srimala again, in the presence of the Buddha, professed the Three Great Vows. By the power of my earnest aspiration, may I bring peace to innumerable and unlimited living beings. By my virtuous deeds, throughout all rebirths, may I attain the wisdom of the true Dharma. This is called the first great vow. Having attained the wisdom of the true Dharma for the sake of all living beings, may I explain the Dharma without ever wearying. This is called the second great vow. In accepting the true Dharma, may I abandon body, life, and wealth and uphold the true Dharma. This is called the third great vow. At that time, the World Honored One prophesied of Srimala saying, With reference to the three great vows, just as all forms are contained in space, so likewise the Bodhisattva vows, which are as numerous as the sands of the Ganges River, are all contained in these three great vows. These three vows are the truth and are extensive. Chapter 4 Embracing the True Dharma At that time, Queen Srimala said to the Buddha, Having received the Buddha's power, I will now explain the great vow, which is controlled by the principle of the True Dharma, being the truth without error. The Buddha said to Srimala, I permit you to explain as you wish. Srimala said to the Buddha, the Bodhisattva vows, which are as numerous as the sands of the Ganges River, are all contained in the one great vow that is called embracing the true Dharma. Embracing the true Dharma truly is the great vow. The Buddha praised Srimala, saying, Excellent, excellent! Your wisdom and upaya are most profound and subtle. You have already for a long time increased in virtue. In the future, living beings who develop such virtue will be able to understand you. Your explanation of the embracing of the true Dharma is that which the Buddhas of the past, present, and future have explained, now explain, and will explain. Having realized Anuttara Samyaksambodhi, I also speak of this embracing of the true Dharma. I explain that embracing the true Dharma has merits that cannot be limited. The Tathagata's wisdom and eloquence are also without limits. Why? Because in this embracing of the true Dharma, there are great merits and great benefits. Queen Srimala said to the Buddha, Again, Having received the Buddha's power, I shall further explain the extension of the embracing of the true Dharma. The Buddha said, Then please explain. Srimala said to the Buddha, 
the meaning of the extension of the embracing of the true Dharma is immeasurable. It includes all the Buddha Dharma, consisting of 84,000 discourses. Like a great cloud that appeared at the time of creation, showering down multicolored rain and many kinds of jewels, embracing of the true Dharma rains forth immeasurable rewards and immeasurable virtue. O world-honored one, at the time of creation, the three thousand great thousand world system and the forty billion kinds of continents emerged from the great waters. Similarly, the innumerable worlds of the Mahayana, the supernatural powers of all the bodhisattvas, the peace and happiness of all worlds, the magical omnipotence of all worlds, and the peace of transcendent worlds that has not been experienced by gods and humans from the time of creation. All these emerge from embracing the true Dharma. Moreover, embracing the true Dharma is like the great earth that supports four weights. What are those four? The great seas, the mountains, vegetation, and living beings. Similarly, like that great earth, good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma build the great earth and carry four responsibilities. What are the four? One, living beings who have parted from good friends who either have not heard the Dharma or are without the Dharma. By advising them to cultivate the good deeds of humans and gods, good sons and good daughters prepare them for entering the path. Two, for those who want to be Shravaka disciples, they present the vehicle of discipline. Three, for those who want to be Pratekya Buddhas, solitary enlightened ones, they present the vehicle of the Pratekya Buddha. And four, for those who want to be followers of the great vehicle, they present the Mahayana. These are the good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma, build the great earth, and carry these four responsibilities. Therefore, world-honored one, good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma, build the great earth, and carry the four responsibilities, become friends without being asked for the sake of all living beings. In their great compassion, they comfort and sympathize with living beings, and they become the Dharma Mother of the World. Again, embracing the true Dharma is like the great earth that has four kinds of jewel storehouses. What are the four? They are one, the priceless, two, the supremely valuable, three, the moderately valuable, and four, the slightly valuable. These are the great earth's four kinds of jewel storehouses. Similarly, good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma and build the great earth obtain the four kinds of most precious jewels, namely living beings. Who are the four? One, those who have not heard the Dharma or are without the Dharma 
to whom the good sons and good daughters who have embraced the true dharma present the cultivation of merits and virtuous deeds of humans and gods. 2. Those who want to be Shravaka disciples are presented with the vehicle of discipline. 3. Those who want to be Pratekya Bhuttas are presented with the vehicle of the Pratekya Bhutta. And 4. Those who want to follow the great vehicle are presented with the Mahayana. Therefore, all the good sons and good daughters who obtain the great jewels, namely living beings, realize extraordinarily rare merit because of their embracing of the Dharma. World Honored One, the great jewel storehouse is the embracing of the true Dharma. World Honored One, embracing of the true Dharma means the true Dharma itself is not different from embracing the true Dharma. The true Dharma itself is identical with the embracing of the true Dharma. World Honored One, the Paramitas are not different from one who embraces the true Dharma, for one who embraces the true Dharma is identical with the Paramitas. Why? Good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma give even their body and limbs for those who respond to giving. By protecting these living beings' intentions, they teach them. When they are thus taught and caused to abide in the true Dharma, this is called the Paramita of giving. Good sons and good daughters teach the protection of the six senses, the purification of body, speech, and mind, and the cultivation of the four correct meditative postures, walking, standing, sitting, and reclining, to those who would respond to moral discipline. By protecting these living beings' intentions, they teach them. When they are thus taught and caused to abide in the true Dharma, this is called the Paramita of Moral Discipline. Good sons and good daughters teach non-hatred, supreme patience, and neutrality in outer expression to those who respond to patience. By protecting these living beings' intentions, they teach them. When they are thus taught and caused to abide in the true Dharma, this is called the Paramita of Patience. Good sons and good daughters do not teach indolence, but the desire to practice supreme perseverance and cultivation of the four correct postures to those who respond to virya, perseverance. By protecting these living beings' intentions, they teach them. When they are thus taught and caused to abide in the true dharma, this is called the paramita of virya, perseverance. Good sons and good daughters teach tranquility, constant mindfulness not conditioned by external objects, and the remembrance of all actions and speech over long periods of time to those who respond to meditation. By protecting these living beings' intentions, they teach them. When they are thus taught and caused to abide in the true Dharma, this is called the Paramita of Dhyana Meditation. Good sons and good daughters, when questioned concerning the meaning of all things, 
extensively teach all treatises and all arts without trepidation, causing those who respond to wisdom to reach the ultimate in science and art. By protecting these living beings' intentions, they teach them. When they are thus taught and caused to abide in the true Dharma, this is the paramita of prajna, wisdom. Therefore, O world honored one, the paramitas are not different from the one who embraces the true Dharma. The one who embraces the true Dharma is identical with the paramitas. O world honored one, now receiving your power, I will further explain the greatness of the true Dharma. The Buddha said, Please do so. Srimala said to the Buddha, Embracing the true Dharma means embracing the true Dharma is not different from the one who embraces the true Dharma. Good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma are identical with the embracing of the true Dharma. Why? Because good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma abandon three things for the sake of embracing the true Dharma. What are the three? They are body, life, and wealth. When good sons and good daughters abandon the body, they become equal to the last limit of the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. Having parted from old age, illness, and death, they realize the indestructible, eternal, unchanging, and inconceivable merits of the Tathagata's Dharmakaya, body of Dharma. When they abandon life, they become equal to the last limit of the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. Ultimately, having parted from death, they realize the limitless, eternal, and inconceivable merits penetrating all the profound Buddha Dharma. When they abandon property, they become equal to the last limit of the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth, having realized the inexhaustible, indestructible, ultimately eternal, inconceivable, and complete merits that are not common to all other living beings, they obtain the excellent offerings of all living beings. World Honored One, good sons and good daughters who have abandoned these three things, body, life, and wealth, and who have embraced the true Dharma, will always obtain the predictions of all the Buddhas concerning their Buddhahood, and will be honored by all living beings. Furthermore, O world honored one, good sons and good daughters who embrace the true Dharma without distortion and without deception or misrepresentation, will love the true Dharma and embrace the true Dharma, entering into Dharma friendship with the four groups of followers, monks, nuns, laymen, and laywomen, when they are forming rival factions that cause the destruction and dispersion of the Sangha. Those who enter into Dharma friendship will certainly receive the prediction of their future Buddhahood by all of the Buddhas. O world honored one, I see that the embracing of true Dharma has such great powers. Because you are the eye of truth, the wisdom of truth, the source of all dharma, and you penetrate all things, 
You are the basis for the true Dharma and know all things. At that time, the world-honored one was joyous over Srimala's explanation concerning the great powers of embracing the true Dharma. The Buddha said, Srimala, what you have said is true. The great powers of embracing the true Dharma are like a very strong man who only briefly touches a vulnerable part of one's body yet causes great pain. Similarly, Srimala, Barely embracing true dharma causes suffering to Mara, the evil one. I do not see even one remaining good act that can cause suffering to Mara in the manner that only barely embracing the true dharma does. Moreover, the bull king has a form without equal, surpassing all other bulls. Similarly, even just barely embracing the true dharma in the Mahayana is superior to all the virtuous deeds of the other two vehicles because it is so extensive. The majestic bearing and uniqueness of the great Mount Sumeru surpasses all other mountains. Similarly, the merit of abandonment of body life and wealth in the Mahayana an embracing of the true dharma with a benevolent heart surpasses the merit of those who have engaged only in the virtuous deeds of the Mahayana but do not abandon body life and wealth. Because of its extensiveness, of course it is superior to the two vehicles. Thus Srimala, through embracing the true dharma, explain this teaching to living beings, teach and convert living beings and confirm living beings in the Dharma. Therefore, Srimala, embracing the true Dharma has these great benefits, these great blessings, and these great fruits. Srimala, even if I explain the merits and the benefits of embracing the true Dharma for countless periods of time, I shall not reach the end of explaining it all. Therefore, embracing the true Dharma has immeasurable and unlimited merit. Chapter 5 The One Vehicle The Buddha said to Queen Srimala, Now you should further explain the embracing of the true Dharma that was taught by all the Buddhas. Queen Srimala said to the Buddha, Very well, world-honored one, I will upon receiving your exhortation. Then she said to the Buddha, World-honored one, embracing the true Dharma is embracing the Mahayana. Why? Because the Mahayana brings forth all the good acts of the world and of the transcendental, of the Shravakas and the Pratekya Buddhas. World-honored one, just as the eight great rivers flow from Lake Anavatapta, so likewise all the good acts of the world and the transcendental of the Shravakas and Pratekya Buddhas emerge from the Mahayana. World Honored One Moreover, just as all the seeds are able to grow only when they depend upon the earth, so likewise all the good acts of the world of the transcendental of the Shravakas and of the Pratekya Buddhas 
are able to increase only when they depend upon the Mahayana. Therefore, world honored one, abiding in the Mahayana, one accepts the Mahayana. This is identical with abiding in the two vehicles and accepting all the good acts of the world, of the transcendental, and of the two vehicles. What are the six stations that the world honored one explains? They are 1. the continuity of the true Dharma, 2. the extinction of the true Dharma, 3. the rules of the Pratimoksha, 4. the discipline of the Vinaya, 5. renunciation of one's home, and 6. ordination. On behalf of the Mahayana, the World Honored One preaches these six stations. Why? Because the continuity of the true Dharma is explained for the sake of the Mahayana. Continuity of the Mahayana is continuity of the true Dharma. Extinction of the Mahayana is extinction of the true Dharma. The rules of the Pratimoksha and the discipline of the Vinaya have the same meaning even though they are different in name. The discipline of the Vinaya is learned by those of the Mahayana. Why? Because one renounces home and becomes ordained for the sake of the Buddha. Therefore the conduct of the Mahayana, which is the perfection of discipline, is the Vinaya, renouncing one's home and taking ordination. Consequently, in the case of the Arhat, there is no renunciation of home, nor taking ordination as a separate vehicle from the Mahayana. Why? Because the Arhat renounces his home and is ordained for the sake of the Tathagata. The Arhat, seeking refuge in the Buddha, is afraid. Why? Because the Arhat lives in a state of fear toward all conditioning forces, as if a man holding a sword wished to cause him harm. Therefore the Arhat has no ultimate happiness. Why? World Honored One, being a final refuge, one does not seek refuge. Living beings who are without a refuge, having this or that fear, seek refuge because of these fears. Likewise, Arhats who have fears seek refuge in the Tathagata because of these fears. World Honored One, Arhats and Pratekyabhutas are afraid. Because these Arhats and Pratekyabhutas still have not extinguished their lives, these psychophysical forces continue. They have not completed the practice of purity and so remain impure. Because their actions are not ultimate, they still have actions to perform. Because they have not reached that final stage, they still have defilements that should be severed. Because these are not severed, one is far from the realm of nirvana. Why? Because only the Tathagata, Arahat, perfectly enlightened one, attains final nirvana, being endowed with all merits. Arhats and Pratekyabhutas are not endowed with all merits. When it is said that they attain nirvana, this is merely an upaya of the Buddha. Because only the Tathagata attains final nirvana, being endowed with inconceivable merit, 
Arhats and Pratekya Bhuttas are only endowed with conceivable merit. When it is said that they attain nirvana, this is merely an upaya of the Buddha. Because only the Tathagata attains final nirvana, eliminating transgressions that should be eliminated and endowed with supreme purity, Arhats and Pratekya Bhuttas who still have transgressions are not supremely pure. When it is said that they attain nirvana, this is merely an upaya of the Buddha. Only the Tathagata attains final nirvana, is revered by all living beings, and surpasses the Arhat, Pratekya Bhuttas, and the realms of Bodhisattvas. Therefore, Arhats and Pratekya Bhuttas are far from the realm of nirvana. When it is said that Arhats and Pratekya Bhuttas meditate upon liberation, have the four wisdoms, and have ultimately attained their resting place, this is also in upaya of the Tathagata and is taught as the incomplete meaning. Why? There are two kinds of death. What are the two? They are ordinary death and the inconceivable death of transformation for a purpose. Ordinary death refers to living beings who live in unreality. The inconceivable death of transformation for a purpose refers to the mind-made bodies of the arhats, pratekya bhuttas, and greatly powerful bodhisattvas until the time of their supreme, perfect enlightenment. Within these two kinds of death, it is the ordinary death through which arhats and pratekya bhuttas have completely attained the knowledge said to have extinguished their lives. Because they attain realization with remainder, it is said that the practice of holiness has been completely upheld. Because their errors and defilements have been eliminated, it is said that their actions have been completed, actions which the common people, gods, and seven kinds of educated people are incapable of performing. Because arhats and pratekibhutas cannot be reborn since their defilements are eliminated, it is said that they are not reborn. When it is said that they are not reborn, this is not because they have eliminated all defilements nor exhausted all births. Why? Because there are defilements that cannot be eliminated by arhats and pratekyabuttas. There are two kinds of defilements. What are the two? They are latent defilements and active defilements. There are four kinds of latent defilements. They are, one, the stage of all false views of monism, two, the stage of desiring sense pleasures, three, the stage of desiring forms, and four, the stage of desiring existence. From these four stages of defilement, there are all the active defilements. What is active is momentary and associated with the momentariness of the mind. World Honored One, the mind does not associate with the stage of beginningless ignorance in the same way. World Honored One, the power of these four latent defilements is a basis for all active defilements, but cannot possibly be compared in number, fraction, counting, similarity, nor resemblance to ignorance in their power. World Honored One, such is the power of the stage of ignorance. 
the power of the stage of ignorance is much greater than the other stages represented by the fourth stage of desire for existence. The power of the stage of ignorance is like that of the wicked evil one, Mara, whose form, power, longevity, and retainers are both superior to and more powerful than the heaven where the gods control the enjoyments created by others. Its power is far superior to that of the other stages of defilement represented by the fourth stage of the desire for existence. This basis for active defilements, more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River, causes the four kinds of defilements to continue for a long time. The Arhats and Pratekyabhuta's wisdom cannot eliminate it. Only the Tathagata's enlightenment wisdom can eliminate it. Yes, world-honored one, the stage of ignorance is extremely powerful. World-honored one, the three states of existence arise conditioned by clinging to existence and by defiled actions. In like manner, world-honored one, the three forms of mind-made bodies of arhats, pratekyabhutas, and greatly powerful bodhisattvas are conditioned by the stage of ignorance and by pure actions. In these three levels, that of the Arhat, Pratekyabhuta, and the Bodhisattva stages, the three kinds of mind-made bodies and pure actions are based upon the latent stage of ignorance. Because all things are conditioned and not unconditioned, the three kinds of mind-made bodies and pure actions are conditioned by the stage of ignorance. World Honored One Thus the other stages of defilement, represented by the fourth stage of the desire for existence, are not identical with the stage of ignorance with respect to action. The stage of ignorance is different from the four stages and is eliminated by the Buddha stages and by the enlightenment wisdom of the Buddha. Why? Arahats and Pratikyabhuttas eliminate the four kinds of stages, but their purity is not complete, for they have not attained autonomy, nor have they accomplished their realization of enlightenment. Their purity that is not completed refers to that stage of ignorance. World-honored one, Arahats, Pratikyabhuttas, and Bodhisattvas in their very last body do not know and do not awaken to the various phenomena because of the impediments of the stage of ignorance. Because they are not aware of these phenomena, they cannot absolutely eliminate what should be eliminated. Because they do not eliminate all defilements, they are liberated with remaining faults, which is not liberation separated from all faults. They have purity with remainder, purification still to be done, which is not purity in its entirety. They accomplish merits with remainder, merits to be accomplished, which are not entirely meritorious. Because they accomplish liberation with remainder, purity with remainder, and merits with remainder, arhats, pratekyabhuttas, and bodhisattvas know suffering with remainder. They eliminate the source of suffering with remainder, attain the cessation of suffering with remainder, 
and practice the path with remainder. This is attaining partial nirvana. Those who attain partial nirvana are turned toward the realm of nirvana. If one knows all suffering, entirely eliminates the source of suffering, attains the complete cessation of suffering, and practices the entire path, one will attain permanent nirvana in a world that is impermanent and decadent, impermanent and distressed. In a world without protection, a world without a refuge, there is a protector and a refuge. Why? There is attainment of nirvana because of the differentiation between inferior and superior phenomena. World Honored One, there is attainment of nirvana because of the equality of all phenomena. Because of the equality of knowledge, one attains nirvana. Because of the equality of liberation, one attains nirvana. Because of the equality of purity, one attains nirvana. Therefore, nirvana has the same quality as liberation. World Honored One, if the stage of ignorance is not absolutely eliminated, then one does not attain the same quality of knowledge and liberation. Why? If the stage of ignorance is not absolutely eliminated, then phenomena more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River that should be eliminated will not be absolutely eliminated. Because phenomena more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River that should be eliminated are not eliminated, the phenomena more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River that should be attained will not be attained, and the phenomena that should be manifested will not be manifested. Therefore, the accumulation of defilements in the stage of ignorance produces both the defilements that are severed by the practice of the entire path and the virulent defilements, as well as the virulent defilements of the mind, of meditation, of concentration, of contemplation, of insight, of upaya, of wisdom, of the results of the path, of attainment, of power, and of fearlessness. These are all the active defilements more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River that are eliminated by the enlightenment wisdom of the Tathagata. All these defilements are due to the stage of ignorance. All the active defilements that arise are caused by and conditioned by the stage of ignorance. World Honored One, among the defilements that arise, the mind and its various faculties arise together momentarily. World Honored One, the mind does not associate with the stage of beginningless ignorance in the same way. World Honored One, all phenomena more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River that should be eliminated by the Tathagata's enlightenment wisdom are supported and sustained by the stage of ignorance. For example, all the seeds that depend upon the earth for their life, sustenance, and growth would be ruined if the earth were ruined. Similarly, all phenomena more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River that should be eliminated by the Tathagata's enlightenment wisdom are based upon the stage of ignorance for their life, 
sustenance, and growth. If the stage of ignorance is eliminated, all phenomena more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River that should be eliminated by the Tathagata's enlightenment wisdom will be eliminated. If all defilements and virulent defilements are eliminated, all phenomena more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River will be attained by the Tathagatas, who penetrate them without obstruction. Omniscience is separate from all transgressions, attaining all the merits of the Dharma King, the Dharma Lord, attaining autonomy and manifesting the stage of autonomy from all phenomena. O Tathagata, Arahat, perfectly enlightened one, who has the lion's roar, the complete extinction of one's life, the complete practice of holiness, the completion of actions, and the non-acceptance of rebirth have been explained up until now, based upon your lion's roar, for their complete meaning. World Honored One, there are two kinds of knowledge that do not accept rebirth. First, there is the knowledge of the Tathagatas, who, by means of their unsurpassed powers, subdue the four evil Maras, appear in all worlds, and are worshipped by all living beings. They attain the inconceivable Dharmakaya, the body of the Dharma, all spheres of knowledge, and unobstructed autonomy in all things. In this stage, there is no action nor attainment that is higher. Having the ten magnificent powers of knowledge, they ascend to the supreme, unexcelled, fearless stage. With their omniscient, unobstructed knowledge, they understand without relying upon another. This wisdom that does not accept rebirth is the lion's roar. World Honored One Second, there is the knowledge of Arhats and Pratekyabhutas who cross over the fears of birth and death and gradually attain the happiness of liberation with this thought. I have parted from the fears of birth and death, and I no longer experience suffering of birth and death. World Honored One When Arhats and Pratekyabhutas meditate, they do not accept rebirth and have insight into the supremely restful stage of nirvana. World Honored One Those who first attained the stage of nirvana were not ignorant of the Dharma and were not dependent upon others. They also knew they had attained the stages with remainder through their own efforts and would inevitably attain supreme, complete enlightenment. Why? Because the Shravaka and Pratekyabhuta vehicles are included in the Mahayana. The Mahayana is the Buddha vehicle. Therefore, the three vehicles are the one vehicle. Those who attain the one vehicle attain supreme, complete enlightenment. Supreme, complete enlightenment is the realm of Nirvana. The realm of Nirvana is the Dharmakaya of the Tathagata. Attaining the absolute Dharmakaya is attaining the absolute one vehicle. The Tathagata is not different from the Dharmakaya. 
the Tathagata is identical to the Dharmakaya. If one attains the absolute Dharmakaya, then one attains the absolute one vehicle. The absolute one vehicle is unlimited and unceasing. World Honored One, the Tathagata, who is not limited by time, is the Tathagata, Arahat, perfectly enlightened one, equal to the utmost limit of the cycle of birth and death. The Tathagata is without limitation. His great compassion also is unlimited, bringing peace and comfort to the world. His unlimited great compassion brings unlimited peace and comfort to the world. This explanation is a good explanation concerning the Tathagata. If one again speaks of the inexhaustible Dharma, the eternally abiding Dharma that is a refuge for all worlds, this is also a good explanation concerning the Tathagata. Therefore, in a world that has not been saved, a world without a refuge, there is an inexhaustible, eternally abiding refuge equal to the utmost limit of the cycle of birth and death, namely, the Tathagata, Arahat, perfectly enlightened one. The Dharma is the path of the one vehicle. The Sangha is the assembly of the three vehicles. These two refuges are not the ultimate refuge. They are called the partial refuge. Why? The Dharma of the path of the one vehicle attains the absolute Dharmakaya. Furthermore, there can be no Dharmakaya other than that of the one vehicle. The assembly of the three vehicles, the Sangha, being afraid, seeks refuge in the Tathagata. Those students who go out to practice turn towards supreme, complete enlightenment. Therefore, these two refuges are not the ultimate refuge, but are limited refuges. If there are living beings who are subdued by the Tathagata, they will seek refuge in the Tathagata, attain the permeation of the Dharma, and will have faith and happiness seeking refuge in the Dharma and Sangha. These two refuges, however, are not two refuges, for they seek refuge in the Tathagata. Seeking refuge in the Supreme Truth is seeking refuge in the Tathagata. The supreme truth of these two refuges is the ultimate refuge, the Tathagata. Why? Because the Tathagata is not different from the two refuges. The Tathagata is identical with the three refuges. Why? Because of the path of the one vehicle. The Tathagata who has perfected the four states of fearlessness, is the one who teaches with the lion's roar. The Tathagata, according to individual dispositions, teaches through Upaya. This is the Mahayana and not the three vehicles. The three vehicles enter the one vehicle. The one vehicle is the supreme vehicle. Chapter 6. The Unlimited Noble Truths World Honored One The Shravakas and Pratekya Buddhas 
first saw the noble truths with their one knowledge that eliminates the latent stages of defilement. With their one knowledge, one of the four wisdoms, they eliminate the source of suffering, namely the four latent stages of defilement. They know suffering. They practice virtue according to the path and realize cessation. They understand these four noble truths very well. World Honored One, they do not have the most supreme, transcendental wisdom, but are gradually reaching the four wisdoms and the four conditions of the four noble truths. The Dharma that is not gradually reached is supreme, transcendental wisdom. World Honored One, supreme wisdom is like a Vajra. World Honored One, the Shravakas and Pratekyabhutas do not eliminate the stage of beginningless ignorance. Their initial wisdom of the noble truths is not supreme wisdom. World Honored One, because they do not have the wisdom of the two kinds of noble truths, they eliminate only the latent stages of defilement. World Honored One, the Tathagata, Arahat, perfectly enlightened one, is not the realm of all the Shravakas and Pratekyabhutas. The inconceivable wisdom of emptiness eliminates the stores of all the defilements. World Honored One, the ultimate wisdom that destroys the stores of all the defilements is called Supreme Wisdom. The initial wisdom of the Noble Truths is not ultimate wisdom, but is the wisdom that is turned toward supreme, complete enlightenment. World Honored One The meaning of Arya, noble, does not refer to all the Shravakas and Pratekyabhutas. Because the Shravakas and Pratekyabhutas have perfected limited merits and have perfected partial merits, they are called Aryas, noble. The noble truths are not the truths of the Shravakas and Pratekyabhutas, nor are they merits of the Shravakas and Pratekyabhutas. World Honored One, these truths are those originally known by the Tathagata, Arahat, perfectly enlightened one. Later, on behalf of the world, which is the womb of ignorance, he appeared to extensively teach what are known as the Noble Truths. Chapter 7 The Tathagata Garbha The Noble Truths have a most profound meaning, which is extremely subtle, difficult to know, and not of the cognitive and finite realms. What is known by those who have this wisdom is inconceivable to the entire world. Why? Because this profound meaning of the noble truths explains the most profound Tathagata Garbha. The Tathagata Garbha is the realm of the Tathagata, which is not known by all the Shravakas and Pratekyabhutas. The Tathagata Garbha explains the meaning of the Noble Truths. Because the Tathagata Garbha is most profound 
explaining the noble truths, also is most profound, extremely subtle, difficult to know, and not of the cognitive and finite realms. What is known by those who have this wisdom is inconceivable to the entire world. Chapter 8 The Dharmakaya The Body of the Dharma If there are no doubts with reference to the Tathagatagarbha, that is, concealed by the innumerable stores of defilement, then there also will be no doubts with reference to the Dharmakaya that transcends the innumerable stores of defilement. In explaining the Tathagatagarbha, one explains the Dharmakaya of the Tathagata, the inconceivable Buddha realms, and Upaya. The mind that attains this determination then believes and understands the twofold noble truths. Likewise, what is difficult to know and to understand is the meaning of the twofold noble truths. What is their meaning? They are referred to as the conditioned noble truths and the unconditioned noble truths. The conditioned noble truths are the limited four noble truths. Why? Because one who depends upon another cannot know all suffering, eliminate all sources of suffering, realize the complete cessation of suffering, and practice the entire path. Therefore, world-honored one, the cycle of birth and death is both conditioned and unconditioned. Nirvana, likewise, is conditioned and unconditioned. Being nirvana with remainder, the conditioned, and nirvana without remainder, the unconditioned. The unconditioned noble truths are the unlimited four noble truths. Why? With one's own power, one who knows the unlimited noble truths can know all suffering, sever all sources of suffering, realize the complete cessation of suffering, and practice the entire path. These, then, are the eight noble truths. The Tathagatas taught the four conditioned noble truths as upaya. The meaning of the four unconditioned noble truths are the actions of the Tathagatas, arahats, perfectly enlightened ones, who alone are ultimate. The actions of arahats and pratekyabhutas are not ultimate. Why? Because phenomena are not inferior, mediocre, or superior, one attains nirvana. Why? With reference to the meaning of the four unconditioned noble truths, the actions of the Tathagatas, Arahats, perfectly enlightened ones are ultimate. Because all the Tathagatas, Arahats, perfectly enlightened ones know all future suffering, sever all defilements as well as the sources of all virulent defilements that have been accumulated, and extinguish all the elements in the mind-made bodies of the three vehicles, they realize the cessation of all suffering. World Honored One, the cessation of suffering is not the destruction of the Dharma. The cessation of suffering signifies the Dharmakaya of the Tathagata, which is from beginningless time uncreated, non-arisen, 
indestructible, free from destruction, eternal, inherently pure, and separate from all the stores of defilement. World Honored One The Dharmakaya is not separate from, free from, or different from the inconceivable Buddha dharmas that are more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River. World Honored One The Dharmakaya of the Tathagata is called the Tathagata Garbha when it is inseparable from the stores of defilement. Chapter 9 The Underlying Truth The Meaning of Emptiness World Honored One The wisdom of the Tathagata Garbha is the Tathagata's wisdom of emptiness. World Honored One The Tathagata Garbha has not been seen nor attained originally by all the Arhats, Pratekyabhutas, and powerful Bodhisattvas. World Honored One there are two kinds of wisdom of emptiness with reference to the Tathagata Garbha. The Tathagata Garbha that is empty is separate from, free from, and different from the stores of all defilements. And the Tathagata Garbha that is not empty is not separate from, not free from, and not different from the inconceivable Buddha Dharmas more numerous than the sands of the Ganges River. World Honored One, the various great Shravakas can believe in the Tathagata with reference to the two wisdoms of emptiness. All Arhats and Pratekyabhuttas revolve in the realm of the four contrary views because of their knowledge of emptiness. Thus Arhats and Pratekyabhuttas do not originally see nor attain the wisdom of the Tathagata Garbha. The extinction of all suffering is only realized by the Buddhas who destroy the stores of all defilements and practice the path that brings to cessation all suffering. Chapter 10 The One Noble Truth World Honored One Among these four noble truths, three are impermanent and one is permanent. Why? because three of the Four Noble Truths are conditioned. What is conditioned is impermanent, and what is impermanent is false and deceptive by nature. What is false and deceptive by nature is not true, is impermanent, and is not a refuge. Therefore, the Three Noble Truths, namely, that there is suffering, that there is a source of suffering, and that there is a path, are not the Supreme Truth, for they are neither permanent nor a refuge. Chapter 11 The One Refuge The One Noble Truth, namely the cessation of suffering, is separate from the conditioned. What is separate from the conditioned is permanent. What is permanent is not false, not deceptive in nature. What is not false and not deceptive in nature is true, permanent, and a refuge. Therefore, the noble truth of the cessation of suffering is the supreme truth. Chapter 12 Contrary Truths The noble truth of the cessation of suffering is inconceivable, 
transcending all the conditions of the consciousness of living beings. This is also not the knowledge of arahats and pratekyabuttas, who, like those born blind, cannot see all shapes, or like a weak old infant who cannot see the disk of the moon. The truth of the cessation of suffering, similarly, does not belong to the condition of the common person's consciousness, nor to the two vehicles' realm of knowledge. The common person's consciousness refers to the two contrary views. The wisdom of all arhats and pratekyabuttas is purer in comparison with that of the common person. Limited views refer to the common person's adherence to the misconception that there is a substantial ego within the five aggregates, which then causes the two views that are designated contrary, namely, eternalism and nihilism. If one considers the condition states impermanent, this is nihilism, and not the correct view. If one considers nirvana permanent, this is eternalism, and not the correct view. Because of misconceptions, there are such views. In the sense organs of the body, which are discriminative in nature, some perceive the destruction of phenomena in the present moment. Unable to see phenomena in continuity, they become nihilistic in their views because of misconceptions. The ignorant, who are unable to understand or know the momentary consciousness with reference to its continuity, become eternalistic in their views because of misconceptions. By this or that principle, they discriminate and maintain inadequate positions to an extreme degree. Because of foolish misconceptions, they adhere to erroneous conceptions and contrary views, namely, nihilism and eternalism. World Honored One Living beings have contrary ideas when they have acquired the five aggregates of the individual. The impermanent is considered permanent. Suffering is considered happiness. The non-substantiality of the self is considered a substantial self, and the impure is considered pure. The knowledge of all arhats and pratekyabuttas has not originally apprehended the dharmakaya of the Tathagata, nor the realm of his omniscience. If there are living beings who believe in the Buddha's words, they will have thoughts of permanence, of happiness, of a self, and of purity. These are not contrary views, but are correct views. Why? The dharmakaya of the Tathagata is the perfection of permanence, the perfection of happiness, the perfection of the substantial self, and the perfection of purity. Those who see the dharmakaya of the Buddha in this way are said to see correctly. Those who see correctly are true sons and daughters of the Buddha. They arise from the words of the Buddha, from the true Dharma, and from conversion to the Dharma, attaining the remaining benefits of the Dharma. World Honored One, pure wisdom is the perfection of wisdom that belongs to all arhats and pratekyabuttas. This pure wisdom, although it is called pure wisdom, with reference to the conditioned noble truth of the cessation of suffering, is not 
the realm of unconditioned wisdom. Of course, the wisdom of those beginning to study the Four Noble Truths also does not belong to the realm of unconditioned wisdom. Why? The three vehicles' first actions were not ignorant of the Dharma. Because of their principles, they understood and attained enlightenment. The Buddha explained the four basic noble truths for their sake. World Honored One, these four basic truths are the Dharma of the world. World Honored One, the one refuge is all refuges. It is the transcendental and supreme refuge, namely, the noble truth of the cessation of suffering. Chapter 13 The Inherently Pure World Honored One The cycle of birth and death depends upon the Tathagatagarbha because the Tathagatagarbha is referred to as the original limit of the cycle of birth and death, which is unknowable. World Honored One Tathagatagarbha is referred to as the cycle of birth and death for a proper designation. World Honored One, the cycle of birth and death is the cessation of the senses and the subsequent arising of newly experienced senses. This is called the cycle of birth and death. World Honored One, these two phenomena, birth and death, are the Tathagatagarbha. It is worldly convention to say there is birth and there is death. Death is the cessation of one's senses. Birth is the arising of new senses. The Tathagatagarbha is neither life nor death. The Tathagatagarbha is separate from the conditioned. The Tathagatagarbha is eternal and unchanging. Therefore, the Tathagatagarbha is the basis the support, and the foundation. World Honored One, the Tathagatagarbha is not separate, not severed, not liberated from, and not different from the inconceivable Buddha dharmas. World Honored One, the basis, support, and foundation of conditioned phenomena, which are severed from, separate from, and different from the Buddha dharmas, also are the Tathagatagarbha. World Honored One, if there were no Tathagatagarbha, there would be no revulsion toward suffering, no aspiration to seek nirvana. Why? Because the seven mental phenomena, the six sense consciousnesses and the knowledge of their accompanying mental phenomena, do not continue even momentarily and do not accept the impressions of suffering. There cannot be revulsion from suffering, nor aspiration to seek nirvana. The Tathagatagarbha is without any prior limit, is non-arising, and is indestructible, accepting suffering, having revulsion towards suffering, and aspiring to nirvana. World Honored One, the Tathagatagarbha is not a substantial self, nor a living being, nor fate, nor a person. The Tathagatagarbha is not a realm for living beings who have degenerated into the belief 
of a substantially existent body, or for those who have contrary views, or who have minds bewildered by emptiness. World Honored One The Tathagatagarbha is the womb of the dharmas, the womb of the dharmakaya, the transcendental womb, and the inherently pure womb. This Tathagatagarbha that is inherently pure is the inconceivable realm of the Tathagata that has been contaminated by extrinsic defilements and other virulent defilements. Why? The good mind is momentary and not contaminated by defilements. The evil mind is also momentary but is not contaminated by defilements either. Defilements do not affect the mind. The mind does not affect defilements. Then how does the mind, which is unaffected by nature, become defiled? World Honored One, there are defilements and there are defiled minds. The fact that there is defilement in a mind that is inherently pure is difficult to comprehend. Only the Buddhas, the World Honored Ones, who have the eye of truth and the wisdom of truth, who are the sources of the Dharma and penetrate the Dharma, and who are the refuge of the true Dharma, only they can comprehend this truth. When Queen Srimala had explained the difficulties in comprehending the inherently pure mind's defilement, she was questioned by the Buddha. The Buddha, with extreme joy, praised her, so it is, so it is. The fact that there is defilement in a mind that is inherently pure is difficult to comprehend. There are two subjects that are difficult to completely comprehend. They are the mind that is inherently pure and the fact that this same mind has been contaminated by defilements. These two subjects can be heard by you and the bodhisattva mahasattvas who have the great dharma. The others, namely the shravakas, can only believe through the words of the Buddha. Chapter 14 True Sons and Daughters of the Tathagata The Buddha said, if my disciples comply with their early stages of faith and subsequent more fervent faith, then they will attain the ultimate after completing their subsequent wisdom of the Dharma that is based upon the illumination of faith. The subsequent wisdom of the Dharma is the insight and fundamental investigation into the realms of sensation and consciousness, insight into karmic retribution, insight into the eye of the arahat, insight into the happiness of the autonomy of mind and into the happiness of meditation, and insight into the supernatural powers of the arahats, pratekya buddhas, and powerful bodhisattvas. When these five kinds of insight have been completed, even after my final nirvana in future generations, my disciples who have the early stages of faith, the subsequent more fervent faith, and the subsequent wisdom of the Dharma that is based upon the illumination of faith will attain the ultimate, even though their inherently pure minds become contaminated by defilements. The ultimate is the cause for entering the path of the Mahayana. 
Faith in the Tathagata has great benefits. Do not slander my dharma's profound meaning. Then Queen Srimala said to the Buddha, There are still remaining great benefits, which I will explain, with the Buddha's permission. The Buddha said, Again, please explain. Queen Srimala said to the Buddha, The three kinds of good sons and daughters, who, within the most profound meaning of the Dharma, have separated themselves from injury to the Dharma, produce great merits, entering the path of the Mahayana. What are the three kinds of good sons and daughters? They are these good sons and daughters who, one, develop their own wisdom of the most profound Dharma, two, develop the subsequent wisdom of the Dharma that is based upon the illumination of faith, and three, revere the world-honored one that they do not completely understand the most profound Dharma. What is known only by the Buddhas is not our realm. These above-mentioned are called the good sons and daughters who revere the Tathagata. Only these are the good sons and daughters. Chapter 15 Sri Mala Sri Mala said, All the remaining living beings who stubbornly cling to false teachings instead of to the most profound dharma, turn their backs on the true dharma and habitually practice the corrupt ways of various heterodoxies. These corrupt ways must be subdued by the dharma king's power and by the powers of the divine nagas. When Queen Srimala and her attendants paid obeisance to the Buddha, the Buddha said, Excellent, excellent Queen Srimala! In the most profound dharma, protected by upaya, subdue what is not the dharma. Maintain well its correctness. You have already been very close to the hundreds of millions of buttas and can explain this dharma's meaning. At that time, the world-honored one emitted a most excellent light, radiating everywhere over the assembly. His body ascended into the sky, higher than seven palm trees. Walking in the sky, he returned to the kingdom of Shravasti. Then Queen Srimala and her attendants together faced the Buddha and were transfixed by the sight of him, not moving for even a moment. The Buddha, having passed through their field of vision, caused them to be exalted. Each individual praised the Tathagata's merits and was mindful of him. The Buddha then re-entered the city. Turning toward her husband, King Mitrayashas, Queen Srimala praised the Mahayana. All the women of the city, seven years of age and older, were converted to the Mahayana. King Mitrayashas was also converted to the Mahayana. All the men seven years of age and older, were converted to the Mahayana. Then all the citizens of the state were turned toward the Mahayana. Then the world-honored one entered the Jetta Grove, spoke to the venerable Ananda, and called upon Chakra, the king of heaven. Chakra, along with his retinue, immediately arrived in the presence of the Buddha, then the world-honored one turned toward the king of heaven, Chakra, 
and the Venerable Ananda and extensively explain this text. Having explained it, he said to the Lord Chakra, You should accept and read this sutra, O Kaushika. Good sons and daughters, in innumerable kalpas as numerous as the sands of the Ganges River, cultivate the practice of enlightenment and practice the six paramitas. If these good sons and daughters learn and read this sutra and uphold it, their blessings will be immense. How much the more so will it be for those who explain this text? Thus, O Kaushika, you must read this sutra on behalf of the thirty-three heavens, defining and extensively explaining it. Then the Buddha said to Ananda, You must also accept and read this sutra. For the sake of the four groups of followers, you must extensively explain this sutra. Then the king of heaven, Chakra, asked the Buddha, World-honored one, what is the name of this sutra? How should one adhere to this teaching? The Buddha said to the Lord Chakra, This sutra has immeasurable and limitless merits. All the disciples and Buddhas cannot ultimately have insight into these merits, nor know them. Kaushika, you should know all the great merits that are so subtle and profound in this sutra. Now I shall, on your behalf, briefly explain its name. Listen well, listen well, and remember this sutra. Then the king of heaven, Chakra, and the venerable Ananda said to the Buddha, Excellent, world-honored one. Yes, we will do as you have instructed. The Buddha said, This sutra praises the supreme merits of the true Dharma of the Tathagata. In this manner, accept it. It explains the ten inconceivable ordination vows. In this manner, accept it. It explains the great vow that embraces all vows. In this manner, accept it. It explains the inconceivable embracing of the true Dharma. In this manner, accept it. It explains the entrance into the one vehicle. In this manner, accept it. It explains the unlimited noble truths. In this manner, accept it. It explains the Tathagata Garbha. In this manner, accept it. It explains the Dharmakaya. In this manner, accept it. It explains the underlying truth, the meaning of emptiness. In this manner, accept it. It explains the one noble truth. In this manner, accept it. It explains the one refuge that is eternal and quiescent. In this manner, accept it. It explains the contrary truths. In this manner, accept it. It explains the inherently pure mind that is covered by defilements. In this manner, accept it. It explains the true sons and daughters of the Tathagata. In this manner, accept it. Teach the Sutra of Queen Srimala's Lion's Roar. In this manner, accept it. Again, O Kaushika, the explanations of this sutra eliminate all doubts. Be steadfast in the complete meaning of this sutra and enter the path of the one vehicle. 
Kaushika. Today, this sutra, the sutra of Queen Srimala's lion's roar, has been transmitted to you. As long as the Dharma continues, accept, read, extensively define, and explain this sutra. Lord Chakra said to the Buddha, Very well, world-honored one. We will reverently receive your holy teaching. Then the King of Heaven, Chakra, the Venerable Ananda, and all the great assemblies of gods, asuras, and gandharavas, among others, heard the Buddha's teaching and joyfully put it into practice. <laughs> <laughs>